This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ferminger, and today I am delighted to welcome Shannon Lewis to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Woo! I don't know, I'm moving. <laughs> I, I am really it. excited though. I'm excited because of, in the, in the last hour, I've been doing a lot of research about uh, the kind of realm that Shannon exists in, uh, which is the visual effects realm. And uh, Shannon is the founder of Fat Belly Visual Effects, uh, and which is definitely doing something a little different. This is a very crowded landscape, especially in Vancouver. Yes. But Fat Belly is keen to elevate women inside and outside the visual effects realm. Yes. Like many parts of the film and television industry, women are vastly underrepresented in visual effects, uh, especially in key creative positions. In 2019, women only accounted for 6% six of visual effects supervisors. In 2017, the New York Times reported that female VFX supervisors made up only 5% of the 250 top grossing films of 2014. That is especially egregious when you consider that women make up more than half of all film school graduates. The talent is there. The female talent is there. In my view, and I'm expecting in Shannon's view too, they need the opportunity to not only get their foot in the studio door, but find an environment that is supportive and committed to getting them ahead. This is what I understand Fat Belly VFX to be all about. This is a company that empowers and engages its employees, as well as gives back to their community through training initiatives. It's about uplifting and elevating while creating some kick-ass visual effects. In short, Fat Belly VFX is changing the industry from the inside. And today, Shannon is going to tell us all about it. Shannon Lewis, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I was agreeing with everything you were saying there. So um, no, no rebuttal then. It's, no, it's an absolute pleasure. I, um, uh, when I hear the way you, you speak about my company and um, I'm really proud. Like I'm really proud to work in a company and I think, wow, yeah, I want to work at that place. Um, and everything is true. It's so hard being, I don't want to say it's hard being a woman, but it's difficult still being a woman in a creative position, particularly creative positions in this industry. I still believe it is difficult being a woman regardless of your position in this industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, in, in 2020, it is time that we, we changed a few things. Um, yeah. And I shouldn't be alone. I shouldn't be the only one doing this. But, and I hope that within the next year, 
we see other women out there going out on their own and doing their own things. Um, I know that there are women in, in creative positions or have their own companies um, overseas, mm-hmm. uh, but I, uh, I think Fat Belly is the only one here in Vancouver. So it's, it's, it's a big step. That's, that's shocking yep. to me. Um, considering uh, how, I mean, Vancouver is, has been a leader in the visual effects industry for, for decades, right? Uh, we've, we've had companies, you know, like Rainmaker Visual Effects and before that Gastown Post, like, you know, cr- working and creating stuff for, for decades. And the fact that you're the first and it's 2020 yeah, and I think there, there have definitely been women who have been um, partners mm-hmm. in, in other companies, but as far as being the sole owner, I, be, I believe, I, and if I'm, if I'm wrong, I'd love to be corrected, but from what I know right now, yeah. And yeah, it's strange. It. Well, it's not strange, actually, because the way that visual effects companies are generally started um, are by men who have been artists who then get to a supervisor position and then they feel confident enough in their ability um, or they feel like they have something to offer clients that they and, and they just decide to open these little um, these little shops little and boutique studios yeah little boutique studios and it goes from there and some of them just stay really little and boutique and and others um, get much larger yeah so I want to go back in time we love we love us some time travel on this on this podcast, and I want to because you know this is this might be I mean this fat belly might represent a first for you, but this is not your first foray into visual effects at all. So I'd love to go back in time to the the beginning of your career in visual effects and what you saw, you know, at, especially as a woman in the visual effects realm. Yeah. So my first job, I've only, only, I've only been in VFX since 2015. And my first job was at PSYOP and that's an American owned company. And the, and the majority of them here in Vancouver are American owned. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was just a whole new world. Like I had no idea that VFX was as big as it was. And I remember watching the secret life of Walter Mitty um, like the Christmas before or a few years before and thinking, oh, my God, this is amazing. I want to go to Iceland or wherever he was and I want to see that beautiful mountain and I want to do that. And then I saw this, it, we call it a breakdown, where you mm-hmm. see what the shot looked like before and then you see what it looked like after. And I remember being so disappointed because it was uh, some of it was from The Secret Life of Walter Mitty and I was like, well, I can't go to that place. And so to start with, I was, I was kind of disappointed. And then I realized how, how endless all these opportunities were to create magical places and use your imagination and things. And that's, that's such a beautiful part of the effect. Wait, you were disappointed that it wasn't real? Yeah. And <laughs> I love yeah. that. That's great. Because and I then like, you're like, I could be a magic maker. I could actually yeah. <laughs> give other people that experience of being like, what? That's not real? Oh, well, I guess because years ago I'd gone to New Zealand and gone to, you know, they still have that little Hobbit town there. Yeah. So I was like, cool, you can go to Hobbit town. That's great. And there's a big gorgeous tree and there's a little Hobbit homes and stuff. Um, and, but, but yeah, that's not always the case. 
That's, that's uh, fantastic. Um, and so in those first companies that you were in then, were there, were, were there, a, were, you, were you in the same space as a lot of other women? Were there, were you dealing with any visual effects supervisors that were women? I mean, from my understanding, there's a lot of women in like coordinator positions. Yeah. So yeah. in production, it's generally women. Um, which is great if that's what they want to do. And if the guys want to go into production, awesome too. I think it's nice everywhere to have um, a variety. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're really, I think maybe in terms of women in artist positions um, in that first job, maybe two or three. We did have one uh, female uh, compositing supervisor, but everything else, everyone else was male it was a really small it was still a startup like we maxed out at about 30 yeah. people so was there something oh sorry but was there something like demoralizing about that like what does that do like you arrive and you're like yay and like did you like because I've had the experience working in newsrooms where it dawns on me that I'm the only the only person of color and then I'm very aware of yeah. of that and I'm like well can I can I even progress in this organization I don't even think I recognized it, yeah. to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think I became aware, um, particularly in that job, like I didn't really, it being the, the first job in VFX for me, I wasn't really fully aware of how, um, how women weren't, weren't included, weren't part of it. Yeah. So it wasn't like I went in there and went, oh, my God, I'm the only woman because there were other women, they just didn't, weren't in those roles. Right. So, and I think it's easy to make assumptions that, oh, well, I guess women don't want to do these roles. And, mm -hmm. and now I know that that's not true at all. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I really just wasn't aware of it. Um, to be honest, it's only something that I've really... In, in my most recent job at COSA, for, I was there for a couple of years, that I really started to recognise, and not it wasn't a COSA thing, it was an across-the-board thing, mm -hmm. that it's um, the dudes becoming supervisors. And it's not because they're saying, out of a man and a woman, we're going to give the job to a man. It's that there isn't even a woman there that they can potentially give the job to. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just for, for people listening who, who are just like maybe l learning about visual effects for the, for the first time or whatever, there's nothing about uh, the work that is done in visual effects uh, that has to do with genitals. Okay. No. So, so really <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing. So the fact that like, there's and a lot of it like in in my view from what what i've observed in other parts of the industry uh is that a lot of it is because you know so the dudes start the company and then they hire the people that mm -hmm. that they know and then that, that and they know a lot of dudes and so you're, you're hiring from people that you know yeah. which is i think one of the reasons that it's so hard for women to get in the door yeah. or people of color or people from any marginalized community you know and that's one of the things that I recognized in myself that I was doing at my last job, because often you'll get a call from someone and say, Hey, we need to bring on five more artists. Yeah. And it's hard work going through email lists. And, and so I'd walk out of my office, speak to like a couple of guys that were there and say, Hey, do you know anybody? Who do you know? And because we all, yeah, dudes know dudes. Right. Yeah. And I realized that on my list of people that I had worked with or could call or did know that they were all 90% of them were men. Mm. So I gave myself um, 
like a goal that I have to meet more women in artist positions so that when that, that moment comes, it's not just Bill, Bob and Johnny, there's Sonia and Betty and Veronica, you know, like that I have whatever, but there's. I love that. I love that you went for Betty and Veronica. (laughs) Yeah. Because you also, I mean, the other thing too, and we'll get into talking about what it, it, what fat belly is, um, and, and you know how it's different, but like, Oh, where'd my thought go? Sonia, Betty, Veronica, you want, oh, you don't want to do, just be like, that's my one diversity hire. So that, because that, that's like, you're bringing somebody into a place that might not be outwardly toxic, but they're going to be aware Mm -hmm. the whole time that they're like, I'm different from everybody else, you know? Um, Okay. So, okay. (laughs) My first question about fat belly visual effects um, was actually the, the thing that drew me to the email that I received about it was the name. Uh-huh. So talk to me about, cause it's, uh, and it's not just because I'm going through some body stuff right now where I'm kind of like embracing the fact that I've gained a bunch of weight during the pandemic. And I'm like mm-hmm. liking how like Rubenesque I'm feeling. Um, and you know, and being like, I, it doesn't matter what size I am. Uh, but um, it's such a provocative name. It has a lot of associations with it. So where did this name come from and what did you want it for, for your company? So I, um, I, it's, it's funny. I've never told this side of the story where like I am a curvier woman mm-hmm. and at times the word fat has, has been derogatory or not a, not a good thing. And so for me over the last sort of five years, I've really been trying to use the word as just a word like, mm-hmm. Oh, so it doesn't, it's not hurtful for me, but I recognize that it's not great for everybody else. Mm-hmm. So for me, I love, I love the word fat. I think it's awesome. And yeah, I think people are scared of it. And that's kind of interesting, right? Mm-hmm. But the whole basis of my company, when I sat down and wrote this whole, this vision of what I wanted my company to be, and yes, we want to do great VFX. We want to have like cool shit on the screen. I wanted to have all these other things going on as well. But ultimately, what's the reason why we go to work? Well, we get up and go to work every day because at the end of the day, we have to provide for ourselves and our families. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have a company where we were had enough work that we could fill our bellies and, and, and be full and that our bellies would be fat from the food that we could buy and also that we could make that something in our community as well, which is why we have that we're raising money for the Downtown Eastside Women's Centre this year. Yeah. Um, another thing that I thought of, though, uh, was the first time that I had a giant belly, which was being pregnant and, and about, you know, the, the impact that um, motherhood good had on my career, both good and bad. And, you know, and, and thinking about, you know, we're talking about women, but we're also talking about, um, we're talking about women who are mothers as well. They're part of the whole ecosystem. And, you know, we've seen during COVID how, uh, not just in film and TV, but like in all industries, women are the ones who have had to, you know, women are losing so many opportunities right now because, you know, they're the ones who, for the most part, you know, have to take on the child rearing and managing children during a pandemic where a lot of kids aren't, you know, going to, to school. So, you know, what, what kind of a place is Fat Belly for, for mothers and how does that play into, um, the company, the culture and the way you've set everything up? Well, so we're on the cloud. So we could be remote 
as soon as um, as soon as COVID happened, it wasn't that technology wasn't an issue for us. And you're I doing thought, it already. Then you had yeah, already said it. Yeah, and so that was always sort of a, a part of the plan. That okay, if oh, whatever, if man or woman, mum, dad, doesn't matter. If somebody needs to be at home with the kids, yes, traditionally it's it's women. Then then they could potentially work. And I think even though COVID has been fucking horrible, the thing it's done, I think, is open up opportunities with the movie and TV studios so that they know that these artists can work from home and everyone's working from home under security guidelines and things like that and nothing Mm -hmm. bad is happening. So that's actually really a positive because now most definitely mums can work from home or if mum comes to work four days a week and on the fifth on the Friday her kid's sick, she can yeah. still work from home. She doesn't have to take her own sick day or she doesn't have to take a day unpaid or anything yeah. like that. I love that you said you folk you said um nothing bad happened because I think that for there are there were people who who were worried, you know, like people in, in you know owner positions and I'm not talking about any specific studio or whatever, but you know, just I've seen it in the social media. They're like, who's gonna work if they're gonna work from home? But like from what all the studies have said from many different industries it hasn't affected productivity in a negative way at all and if in anything people are making like better use of their time you know when yeah. they're sitting at their at their computers well yeah because there wasn't any when we were on sort of like a lockdown situation not that we it was official but you know really it yeah. felt that way there was nothing for anybody to do so you know of course they're going to sit in front of their computer and 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 fiddle a little bit more and tweak that thing yeah um and, and I think working from home is great for some people, but I, I think for other people, they prefer going into the office. So do you, are you offering both then right now? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've been going into the studio and my comp soup comes into the studio because he really wants to. Mm-hmm. So at the moment it's just us and anybody else is working from home at the moment um, just because of the new regulations that have just come in as well. You know, just making sure that everybody's safe and comfortable. Yeah. That's that's the biggest thing. Okay, so um and it's funny because it's the same for, for me at the Webier screen scene office. Uh it's we should have thirteen people in there. Um because we also we're our parent company is an animation studio everybody's working from home so mm-hmm. i'm the only one who like and i go in and i like it but i also one thing that i'm missing are people like i miss yeah. people i miss like talking to people but you know um and you know just standing at the sink and and you know mm-hmm. talking about like some trash reality show or whatever but you know which is like a big part of my socializing i think was just being at the studio absolutely <laughs> it's it's huge for some people yeah that's yeah. That's their their social time as well. And so, what they, what can you do? Like, what are you doing then? Or is there anything that you're you're trying or doing to um to meet that aspect as well? Because people might not realize, but you know, the hours in visual effects are are massive. Like, what's something in the pipeline? It's not a nine to five thing. A lot of the times, like it's you know, if you're meeting a deadline, it's like yeah. it can be a massive thing. So yeah, you know, I'm you know. definitely aware in this industry that we have a lot of, there seems to be lots of places that working overtime is, is a must. Yeah. And I am really hopeful that that's something that we can hold off doing too much of. 
because I don't believe that you get the best work from someone who's been sitting in front of their computer for 12 plus hours a day. You don't want to burn off, burn out your staff? What? Yeah, shocking. (laughs) Are you really a studio if you have a work-life balance as a priority? No, I love to, I love to hear that. I love to hear that you're doing that. I really, I feel like the term work-life balance is just thrown around. So I'm actually trying to cut it out of, of what I say because it should just be there's work and then there's not work, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Especially Um, for those of us in the arts too, for whom like the work that we do is, is such a passion, you know, a lot of it can come from like, you know, from art or from being disappointed that what we thought was real was actually magic art. So, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) From the air. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, when we, what we come back to or what from the before times that we'll actually integrate into our, into how we approach all of the work that we do. Yeah. And And that work, not work balance. Right now we're still ramping up on our, on our big project. So it's easy for us. Like yesterday I was like, let's go home at five o'clock. And we all, cause normally we would work until six. Mm -hmm. And so we left work at five, you know, and I think it's also, doing that thing where when you can, you should. So if you do have an opportunity where you can leave work at four o'clock, then go home, you know? Um, I mean, obviously it depends on where you work, how you get paid, you know, all all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, But there's no doubt that we're going to have longer days um, or potentially some days are longer, but I don't, I just, by long, I mean like, maybe nine hours, maybe 10. Yeah. But it's certainly not an everyday thing. Um, Yeah. I think that if you're, that's just not what I want. I don't want it for myself and I don't want it for people who work with me. Yeah. So um, let's talk about uh, the training initiatives because yeah, I mean, one of the things that I, that I understand you're doing is that you like, you are like, you're providing like apprenticeship or internship opportunities um, as so, as yes. so like, so you're not only like, so on one hand you're training people up and then you also have things to like retain people, you know, and then, and then, uh, elevate and uplift, which I, mm-hmm. I'm just all about. So first let's talk training. Yeah. So there's a number of VFX schools in town and the best one is Lost Boys. And, um, they have, um, a number of different programs and for the compositing program, the students have to complete a six to eight week practicum at a studio. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and, and so they need real life experience, you know? And so I've done it with them at other studios before and it's great. They come in, they're wonderful. They're so well-trained. They, they really see how a pipeline works, how a company works, what a supervisor does, and they get to work on shots and albeit it won't be, really difficult work, but they get to work on shots that are going to go into a film or generally a TV series. And so that- Amazing for, you know, to have that that real when they come out of school. Yeah. And then that will go on their resume that they've already, they've come out of school, they finished their degree or diploma, their course, and, um, and they've got this real life experience. And obviously then there's an opportunity for the studio to hire the practicum student as a junior. 
Um, yeah, so I'm hoping to have my first student through, student or students through in January. Mm. Uh, yeah, so Lost Boys is wonderful and I believe that their, their students should be in every, stu- in every VFX studio. I love that. that you said the best is, like, and you said it as such a matter of fact, like the best is, is obviously Lost it Boys. Is. Yeah, yeah, it just it just is. Um, and so as far as uh, retaining your your team, and we should point out, you are not just hiring, like, despite the fact that you're addressing the gender imbalance or the inequities that exist, uh, because we established that genitals have nothing to do with visual effects, you're not just hiring women, right? No, like, you know, not you know, at there's, all. No, not at all. No, um, I, so when I talk about, like, your team, we're talking about like a, just a level, a more level playing field, yeah. right? Um, so what are you, do, like what, so when somebody is, has been welcomed into the fat belly fold, mm-hmm. um, uh, what are some ways that you're working to retain them or to help them advance in their careers? So being such a small company, I think really works for some people. Um, we are, because we had to really we didn't have any work. We kind of shut down over COVID like a lot of other places. So we just have a core team of four people right now. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe no matter what your size, you should be um, honest and transparent as much as you can with your staff Mm -hmm. so that there's always an ongoing dialogue to make sure that they are getting what they need. And then that, in return means that you get the best work from them and your clients are happy. Um, so for me, that was sort of, that's to me, to me, it's easy to retain staff if, if that transparency is there um, and an open, honest dialogue. And some people don't want to go any further than they've gone. And that's awesome. That's great. If you want to stay at a senior level artist and don't want to be a supervisor, I'm all on board with that. You're really valuable to me still. But if you want an opportunity to get into a supervisor position, um, then we're going to have you mirroring someone. We're going to share um, bids with you. You can jump on calls with us and the client. Like there isn't wow. really, apart from the dollar value when I send a bid out, which is just between me and the producer and the client, yeah. there isn't anything in a bid that I can't have an employee see because it's not information about them. It's information about the work that they're going to be doing. So if that's the kind of stuff that I can do to, um, to help other people learn. And obviously everybody has an NDA, there are security requirements. That's, that's not a problem, but yeah, I fully believe that if you want to learn how to be a supervisor, then you need to be included. Um, and I think in terms of retaining people, it's also about treating them, treating them well giving them respect, um, treating them like humans and recognizing their humanity. That's important. And I mean, I'm not saying it to be funny, but you know, I've, I've heard of, um, and I've witnessed, you know, um, VFX farms or animation farms where it's like hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, where you're, you barely known by people beyond your, your, you know, beyond your little team. Right. And, you know, within this like giant, well, factory farm in a lot it of ways. Is, it right? is, and I. But also, those places they they do great work. They get awesome shows. You know, whether it's animation or VFX, and I think some people are happy to work in those environments. 
Um, and that's, that's great if that's what you want. Like, I, honestly, you want, yeah. I, I don't want to say anything negative about them. It's just when I thought about what I wanted for my company, then for me, we stay a boutique company because I like all those those little things that come along with it. Yeah. You're very kind. I'll say all the, I'll say all the kind of like the pointed biting stuff that you can't say. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but like, sure. sp- speaking of which, you know, because of, of how the status quo has been in the industry and in the city for so long, was there any pushback at all? Did you have anybody, you know, you know, anybody who, you know, cares about you in the industry? Who's like, Oh, you don't want to do this Shannon or, you know, what's the, what's the response been? Um, I haven't really heard that much. I think if anybody spoke out against a woman right now, they they just wouldn't. So I don't think people are saying it verbally, but you know, you kind of feel like there's some stuff beneath the surface. But I think it more comes from the fact that, not that I'm necessarily a woman, but because I'm not from an artist side. So I haven't come through this industry as an artist in a creative position and worked my way up and then decided to start a business. I've come in from sort of an operations management head of studio position where I can do the business side of things and gone, Hey, I think I can do this. I I think I can put together a really good studio. I've got some good contacts for clients and I know a whole bunch of really smart people who can fill the positions, give me the information needed and and I can build a studio. And that doesn't seem to happen in this industry. So I think if there's anything people um, are like, about it's it's more that yeah um and I'm sure it would make a lot of people happy if I failed but it's also I think there's more people to make happy if I succeed because my success is everybody else's success as yeah. well that's and kind of how I see it or their su- yeah. actually it's more their success is my success you know I'm not just out there on my own making tv that's impossible yeah. It takes a whole bunch of people to make it happen. Yeah. So my job is to help them get what they need, what they need, and to where they need to be in order to deliver the best, the best product available. Let's talk about that product. Let's talk about the cool and kick-ass visuals that you create at Fat Belly Visual Effects. Like, so t- tell me about the kind of work that that you've done, that you do, and that you want to do. Yeah, so we haven't, thanks to COVID, when I opened the doors in February, we were bidding on um, pilot projects, which generally film in March. February, sorry, we didn't establish that. Yeah. That's some, that's some timing. That's some timing. Oh, it was amazing. We were all in this little office and we were looking at people and talking about how, oh my gosh, everybody's buying toilet paper. Isn't that silly? Yeah. And then, um, and, and we felt really positive and then one day it all just ended. All the productions got shut down in town. So if there's no filming, then there's no VFX. March 13th, March 16th, those were, yeah. those were rough days. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so for us, we hadn't started any, any projects before. So we did some test work over COVID and we stayed in touch and, and everybody did what they could do. Um, and we've been on work and things like that, but only now are, are we really starting to get into this huge project that we're on. So we're starting work on Another Life Season mm. 2, which is a Netflix Ooh. production. Yeah. So it's very exciting. It's also very scary. <laughs> I mean, a little bit of fear. You know, it's good to say, it's good to say yes to those kind of, oh, totally. kind of projects, you know, yeah. and then you can, you get to really show what you're, what you're made of. Can Absolutely. you tell us a little bit about, um, 
I don't, I know NDAs and spoilers and all of that, but like, you know, some of the, the kind of the cool shots that you're, that you're working on and, uh, in very general, but like intriguing terms. That's a, that's a tough one. I would, I'm sorry. I would prefer not to, <laughs> um, but I think uh, every you, listener has to sign an NDA. Yeah. Okay. I think, you've, I think the first season appealed to a really certain um, kind of viewer. And I think if you enjoyed the first season, then the second season, the visuals, uh, I think, I believe, will be much more stunning. And I think the writers have been doing, have been working hard to, to do a great job as well. That was, um, that was a wonderful answer. Uh, <laughs> very, very expressive without saying exactly what you're working on. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very excited to hear that. Um, I've also, uh, you mentioned the Downtown Eastside Women's Shelter. Um, and uh, I'm, I mean, that's, I mean, that's one of the organizations that I, I also support. Um, why was that an organization that you wanted to, because I understand you're going to choose a different charity every year to, yeah. I think, so why that one for this Well, season? obviously because I wanted to connect I wanted specifically the first one to be for women because for me that's important. Um, and I think I might continue, I think we'll probably do the Downtown Eastside Women's Centre for 2021 as well just because we haven't had that many opportunities to have events to raise money. Mm-hmm. Um, so the company makes a do- will make a donation to the centre and then um, any money that we can raise throughout, you know, Friday drinks, if you chuck a dollar in the jar or whatever, all that sort of stuff, I want, I want to go to um, the centre as well. And I just, yeah, I just felt really connected to supporting women across our city, mm-hmm. not just in... VFX, obviously that's my, that's the biggest part of it for me, but I just really wanted to, to, to support women wherever they were at. And these Mm -hmm. women, especially now through COVID, they need our support more than ever. Yeah. And the weather's changing, you know, and it's, it's, I mean, it's, what I love is, is that, um, you're, you're taking, you know, the success that you're, that you're achieving through your company and then spreading it around, you know, to, to other people in your community and other women. Yeah, so that everybody has fat bellies. Yeah. yeah. So we all have fat bellies. Yeah. All right. Well, so. And I, I have, um, I've worked in nonprofit for so many years. Oh. And so for me that, that sort of giving back and that volunteering and doing something was just sort of something in me that made sense. Yeah. And it was missing. I didn't realize it was missing until I kind of went, Oh, this is what I need to be doing with my company. Yeah. That makes my heart sing. I love that. And actually, I was also making a connection because before, in a whole other life, before my daughter sent me on a different course to do different work, to, like 10 years ago, I worked in the nonprofit sector as well. And I'm like, wow. So since then, my work has been like, it's all, it's any success I have, like I have to spread it around, you know, mm-hmm. it's, oh, it's just part of who we are, I guess. Really? It's in our, in yeah. our DNA. So we're going to, we're going to end with some, with some time travel some more time travel. Um, my God, I was just thinking, wow, it'd be really cool if we had some visual effects right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're an audio podcast. Um, if you could go back in time though, uh, to the beginning of your, of your career in the visual effects realm and, and give yourself some advice that would either, you know, uh, spare you some, 
hard lessons or just like, you know, prepare you for, mm-hmm. for everything that you're dealing with right now, what would you say? Or would you not say anything at all? Uh, no, I think I would definitely tell me to probably speak up more in that first, in that first job for sure, because that's who I am. Like, um, I don't want to say shit stirrer, but kind of shit stirrer, you know? And I think we have this tendency to just sort of nod and even though we disagree with it because it's easier or because you don't want to be the one with the different opinion. Um, Especially as women in in largely male environments too, you know, you don't want to, it's that you're not, if you speak up for the longest time, you have not, we have not been seen as leaders or or assertive. You're the bitch. You're the, you're the one who can't work with everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Been there. And the other piece of information I would tell myself is that when you're going into a management leadership supervisor position, that um, it's lonely at the top. You know, you cannot be friends with everybody you work with. And I learned that the hard way. Um, and it's unfortunate, but if that's, if that's where you want to go, then you have to be able to sort of make that separation between I'm there... I'm their manager and we can be friendly, but we can't actually be friends. Yeah. It's healthy for everybody. Totally. Yeah. It's very confusing. I think if you're the staff, if you're the employee and you don't, even though I think it's, yeah, it's confusing and they don't know where they stand. So it's easier just to draw a line in the sand and, and be their, be their manager. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody can have fat bellies. I got you. I got you. Shannon Lewis, what a delight this conversation has been. Where can our listeners find you and follow you and your company on the web, on social media? Uh, Yeah, you can find us on Instagram. Um, If you are a VFX artist and you're a woman in this city, you can find uh, Fat Belly VFX Women in VFX on, uh, on Facebook and join and We'll make sure you get to know about all these events that we're putting on, which is really cool, uh, which I'm super excited about. Uh, And uh, hopefully you'll see our name in some credits very soon. Very, very soon. Well, oh, the places we will go. I'm excited to see where where the company grows to and takes you. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you. And, and thank you to our listeners. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. They find us, help us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me. I'm Sabrina Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, and to Tyson Braddock and Paul Furminger for technical support. We are a family business here at the Wider Screen Scene Podcast. Uh, and also to Dane Davile for the original music. Wider Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. 
These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.